0: Why would a busy CEO use the same stuff that, you know, a student would need or a stay-at-home mom or, you know, a freelancer? Like they're going to have different things and different uh, that work best for them. So as, as long as you have this arsenal of tools, then you can apply as many that work for you as possible. So
1: Hey everyone. Today we have our very first guest with us, Biju Sukumaran. Biju is a self-help blogger at scienceofselfhelp.org and his blog is a series of data-driven experiments he conducts on himself, plus a ton of scientific research. He's created a unified theory for self-help called the elements of change, which I'm a really big fan of. Before this, he was a travel journalist and his stories have been featured in Esquire, Vogue, National Geographic, and CNN. In this conversation, we dive deep into how he got started with self-help, the way he conducts experiments, the elements of change, and a lot more. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Biju. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm good. I think we were talking earlier, we had to reschedule this because i'm based in texas and texas recently had uh basically power outages and you know uh, snowstorms something that <laughs> rarely if ever happened so happy to be warm again
1: so <laughs> right totally totally that was crazy by the way like <laughs> so to start off if you could just tell us about your journey as a travel writer i just want to start at the beginning and i think Travel journalism is something that a lot of students fantasize about, especially here in India. I know my friends, and I'm sure they'd love to know about your experiences.
0: Uh, Yeah, it was not intentional at first. I was never really um, excited about travel. When I traveled in the past, I had never really traveled that much. Mm -hmm. Um, And really, it just started with me not being able to get a job in the 2008 you know, economic downturn. So I ended up moving to Korea, to South Korea, to teach English. And once I was finished with that for a year, I decided, hey, you know, I really like traveling around. Um, and it just happened to be that I found an online source to write, really just write anything, very mm-hmm. basic stuff, but very regular. And so I came back to Asia Um, you know, I'm from Texas, uh, as I said, um, and it just started going from there. I got more and more opportunities with local magazines and ended up doing a lot of like very international, uh, stuff like it it expanded from, from there. So, um, it was really about figuring out things on my own because I didn't have any connections So just reading and researching and being comfortable pitching these different destinations that I found fascinating in the hopes that other people and other editors would find that fascinating. So, you know, after, you know, after several years that started like really picking up and uh, yeah, it became, it just became normal
1: almost. So, yeah. I think that you started from nothing and having no connections whatsoever. I think it's, it's really amazing that you got that far. I, I think, yeah, I'm still, um, I, still, I still don't believe it, you
0: know, so sometimes I, I'm like, I look back and I go, wow, I, that wasn't supposed to be me, you know, I was never the adventurous one,
1: so. <laughs> nah, nah. I think you mentioned uh, somewhere that it got hectic for a little while, like uh, travel, constantly traveling, changing time zones, so what was that like?
0: Um, yeah, we. Uh, I had this sort of... Um, I had this sort of time period of about two years in which um, I moved country to country every few months, like three Mm -hmm. to six months, and that was for two years. So, and in addition, that was, that was living in these places. And then in addition to that, I ended up taking trips and press trips to cover other destinations. So That was really, really intense because you're switching different cultures, sometimes different languages, and then you're getting settled, and then one or two weeks in, it's like, hey, you need to go to another country and, you know, cover a a destination professionally. So, yeah, it was very, very hectic. Um, I'm definitely very grateful that I had this opportunity, but as someone who's always been interested in these, like, long-term personal uh, projects and personal productivity and goals, uh, it's no, it's not
1: the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. It does make sense. I mean, making your body go through all of those different time zones, it must have gotten hectic. Yeah. So out of all the places you traveled, I'm curious as to which one's your favorite? Um,
0: that's a very hard question. Um, there's, there's so many favorites for, for different types of things. Like, for outdoors, it was definitely Mongolia or um, uh, the Galapagos. You know, these are just these exotic destinations that I, I had read uh, mm-hmm. since I was a child. You know, I just I had read about them in National Geographic magazines. In terms of food, there's always like, you know, China and Japan were always these great food cities for me. Uh, and in terms of all of it altogether, probably... Um, you know, one of my most recent places was uh, living in Barcelona, I just loved the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not necessarily because of tourist reasons, just because I, I just like being a part of it. Um, but that, you know, it's the more I think about it, the more I'm like, Oh, well, I forgot about that place that I went to. And that was amazing, too. So, it, you know, it changes a lot. But uh, I would say I'd, I'd go with those for, for today.
1: <laughs> so um, after, you know, going to all of these places and your travel journaling part, like how did you make the switch to your blog? And firstly, how, how did you come across self-development in general as a lifestyle? Oh,
0: so for for that last question, how did I come across self-development? Um,
1: that started a long time ago.
0: Okay. Um, I would say that, a, I, you know, one part of it is, of course, this travel lifestyle where life is hectic and all this stuff. So trying to find some sort of order in it. Um, but back when I was a kid, like, I think my parents were really, um, I guess, the stereotypical uh, Asian tiger parents, that is, they always wanted me 100% in grades, and you know, all this stuff. So I had this drive to do mm-hmm. all of the different things. But anytime I stepped a little bit outside of you know, let's say academics, it all fell apart. It was always really, really just, I've always been bad at long-term personal change, like horrendously bad. Um, so that's been one thing that kind of always tied me uh, for a long time to self-development and self-help. And I, I was a self-help junkie. I read all the books as much as I could ever since I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, that was always a thing. Um, but I think it all tied together, not just with travel writing, but also with being a freelancer. If you're a freelancer, you have to essentially organize your time. You have to find that discipline within yourself, and I was not finding that discipline uh, until I started really getting into uh, very science-type stuff and personal experimentation with that, and then gradually across time, I was like, "Wow, uh, this is actually starting to work." So that that made me more and more fascinated with it.
1: It's it's, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. That's the thing that really made me fascinated
1: with it. So, as as a result of you know all of this experimentation and reading the books, and then finally coming across the science part of it, you started your blog. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I I've had the blog for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I've had it six or seven years. I didn't really fully shift over from travel. You know, I was still traveling and I was still I, I started the blog in um, uh, the first part of that two year section where I was moving from place to place. Right. Um, I decided to sort of categorize. And it was a Tumblr blog, like it was a very, very minimal kind of blog and then it gr- gradually it expanded and it's essentially taken over my life now. So. I mean, uh, it got to a point where I was just like, this is kind of the heart of what I want to do. I mean, I'll always love travel, but for me, this has been a a very transformative journey, not only for myself, but for uh, some of the people
1: around me. Right. Absolutely. So you mentioned um, experimentation somewhere in your answer. So I just, I was hoping if you could expand on that, like how, how did you come across the idea of self-experimentation, uh, how did you start basically with that?
0: Yeah, I think probably in the, in the beginning, I think there was a lot of different things coming together. Not just for me, but for just how people deal with um, topics mm-hmm. um, and topics that aren't usually covered with science. So I, I'm a really big, for example, I'm a really big uh, fan of cooking. Like, I love personally, I love cooking, I read lots of cookbooks and, and uh, devour, you know, TV shows and all (laughs) that stuff. And that was probably one of the early places where I saw that, that experimentation happening. Um, Because we're all taught these recipes through, through, through cookbooks, but no one usually sits there and says, well, if I cook this chicken this way, like, my grandmother and my great grandmother before me <laughs> and then I tried this new fancy way which one is actually better um so a lot of chefs started doing this in in the United States there was uh, people like Elton Brown and Kenji Lopez Alt, and like uh, these people who basically made their kitchen into a laboratory but there were so many other people doing this like one of the first um things that got me into self-help was um uh, socializing I was really really shy as a kid like very very uh, like I, I just couldn't talk to anyone uh, and I remember one of the first self-help books I I got was uh, on how to how to like win friends it's actually called how to win friends and influence people which is a yeah. horribly manipulative sounding name but it's actually not that bad when you actually read it but there were so <laughs> many books that did that they were like you know try this out in your life, see how people respond, uh, and then keep that or change that. So um, yeah, I mean, those, those were two of the big ones. And I'm sure, you know, if I were to think about it, I know there's a lot of people who did this, like, there was a really famous guy named Seth Roberts, who is, I believe, an engineer. And he started doing a ton of self uh, experimentation on his blog and came up with a, a you know, a specific way of eating food. Um, Now, I don't necessarily say that all those people are correct, but I like that idea because it's a, I feel like science sometimes has this little gap in which the things that are really important to us as individuals aren't really fully uh, focused on, because it's usually difficult to do. I mean, it's hard to sit there and tell someone eat this way for a year and let's see if it harms or hinders you. You know, there's, there's so much variety in humanity that it's, it's a little bit difficult to pull off those formalized experiments. So in that gap, I feel, you know, trying it out yourself kind of
1: is, is what happened, so. Right, it does make sense. I mean, it's, it's impossible to have something generalized for everybody and with a hundred percent guarantee that it will work. Yeah. So since, since you conduct so many experiments. I was wondering if if you also track them, like um, using maybe a journal, or how do you basically go about tracking experiments? Because usually, even when I do it, it's mostly mental that you know maybe okay I should try this out sometime, and I do, and then it, it worked for me or it didn't, and based on that, I'll just do all of that mentally. So oh know? yeah,
0: I I actually use a Google. Um, uh, let's see, Google Docs and Google Sheets. So basically spreadsheets and, and documents that are just stored online. Um, so what I usually do, uh, you know, and this, this by the way, this, this kind of formula wasn't really something I started out with. This is something I've sort of developed is I'll, I'll usually try to find some sort of metric or a couple metrics mm-hmm. um, and then try something like uh, introduce some variable uh, and then track that across time. So every day, I'll, if I'm really doing an experiment, I'll usually it's day-to-day, I'll sit there and record at the end of the day and say, well, how did this metric go? Or for example, my big one, one of my big ones was with sleep. Um, I actually created my own metric based on uh, I think five or six other standard metrics mm-hmm. um, because I felt like they weren't doing what I needed to do. And then I would test one variable week to week and see how it affected my sleep scale. Um, so that's how I do it now. Uh, that's been across time. But um, ideally, in the future, I'd like to do it in a better way. There's, um, there, is, there are ways to do multivariable testing that use statistical programs to actually ascertain what's the best variable. Um, unfortunately, I've taken like online courses on this. Actually, I've taken one course on this multiple times, but I get lost in the uh, the stats. So that's something I would like to do because often uh, personal experimentation, just at least the stuff that I do, it usually takes a long time, and it involves so many variables that it's very inefficient to do it the way I do it. So in the future, looking forward, I'm going to be you know doing all this like programming, statistics stuff to, to
1: help with that. That's actually super interesting, like what you t- where you talked about uh, multivariate testing versus testing out for single variables. Because even for sleep, uh, after we talked the last time, I tried to just uh, check the effects of caffeine in the evening versus, you know, not having a cup. And it, it was just hard because I was also trying to figure out these where these other variables fit in, like my last meal before sleep or, you know, exercise in the day things like that so definitely multivariate testing does sound interesting yeah hopefully I can figure it out we'll see. <laughs> we'll see and you can let us know so that we can kind of follow through with it as well yeah definitely right so um out of, out of all your experiments that you've conducted which which one would you say has been the most fruitful in terms of change like you know something that you were trying to change and finally, you figured it out after maybe a lot of experimentation or, or your best insights, perhaps.
0: Yeah, so um, I have to really go back really far because the thing that really has changed me a lot is just the simple ability to form a basic habit. This is something that I had never been good at. Like I have notes back to when I was, I think, 11 or 12, and I just couldn't do it. And I just thought it was a reflection of my own virtue or rather lack of virtue. And now being able to have a map of what a habit is and the techniques that a lot of people have researched, but to combine those techniques in my own life and do it smoothly for anything, uh, any like basic habit is, uh, is, it's, it's a huge thing. I mean, it's, it's helped me get, you know, uh, basically all, a lot of the things that people assume that adults have under control that almost no one does. So mm. uh, a good uh, stretching, ex, uh, stretching habit, of uh, whatever that might be, yoga or mobilizing, mobilizing or whatever it is, um, uh, a good meditation habit. You know, I have my meditation habit is now almost seven years old. Um, So exercise, you know, there's all these basic things that uh, uh, flossing, even something as simple as like cleaning your teeth. Um, You know, like, I don't know people who have mastered all of these things. So uh, I'd say that's, that's probably the one thing uh, that took a lot of doing that really impacted my life. Uh, nice. And similarly, on, on, a, on a similar kind of side note, I'd say that the ability to quit a habit has also been a really uh, interesting uh, journey that has helped me with a lot of stuff too. So,
1: Right, right. So since, since you mentioned quitting a habit, could you talk about your tally clicking thing? Like that is something you've talked about on, on your blog, and I don't think a lot of people know about that.
0: Yeah, so uh, the story uh, behind that was, um, as far as I understood most people view uh, quitting a habit as a matter of replacement. So if you have a trigger, uh, something that triggers a response, and then you reward that response, you're, you essentially have a habit. Um, But what they were saying was that the only thing you can do is kind of replace that kind of thing. The problem I found with my, negative habits, and specifically the first one that I experimented with was smoking, Mm -hmm. um, was that a lot of these things were jammed together, right? Uh, The cues or triggers um, were everywhere. It's not like I could just replace them or go somewhere else or, uh, you know, tell my friend, goodbye, like you're a trigger for me, goodbye. (laughs) I can't do that. Um, And also the response to that trigger was off, was the reward, right? right? reward itself was that hit of nicotine. So something didn't strike me quite right. And when I look back to the first time a long time ago, where I quit uh, my first time I quit uh, cigarettes, um, it was, uh, it felt as though it was just a matter of waiting for the waiting for enough urges to pass by or cravings uh, to pass by. And then the craving kind of dropped off. Okay. So I knew that, you know, like, after that, I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe if I just observe the number of urges, Mm -hmm. then I'll be able to, like, quit easier, or at least, uh, you know, something will happen. Um, And sure enough, something did. And so I started researching this uh, a lot, and I found that uh, James Clear talks about cravings and the habit cycle. Uh, There's another guy named Dr. Judson Brewer. Who talks about mindfulness-based smoking cessation and mindfulness-based uh, like uh, eating eating uh, issues like dealing with eating compulsive eating? Um, so there was a lot of people talking about this, but, but just not not is sort of under the radar. And the funny thing about where I was, uh, I lived in Barcelona at the time. I happened to live above the oldest nightclub in Barcelona, and. The guy who was outside, who was the bouncer, uh, he and I had like this kind of like understood, like, I don't know if you call it love or appreciation for one another because I never went to his club. Uh, I was just not a partier, it, whatever. I'm not, you know, I didn't do that. But on Saturday nights, like there was just a bunch of like college kids drunk all over the place. And I was, I think the only person in his, in his, in his night, that was a sane person and so i just had these good feelings I'd nod to him and say hey what's up all right go up to my apartment but he always had this uh this clicker you know just uh just a little clicker where he um uh you know tallied the number of people coming into the into the club so i it just sort of struck me one day i was like why don't i just tally it up and see how that goes and then i was then i thought to myself well if i record the tallies per day then suddenly I'll have a metric and I can actually graph the urge dying. Uh, you, you know, Because I always think about it in terms of like um, video games, right? If you're playing a video game uh, and it doesn't have any levels, it doesn't have any like points, doesn't have any coins or whatever it is you're, you're collecting and ju- you're just given the instructions that someday maybe you might win that's not a good video game, right? Right. You need something to like keep you going. And when I had this metric and I could visualize it, it's like at any point, at any point in the time, I could see where I was in the quitting process. So anyway, um, the way I see it is is it it, uh, combines a lot of different elements of behavioral science. So you've got metrics which are really important uh, if you're asking the question, how many clicks do you need to quit that habit? That's curiosity. And people have done research on curiosity. Uh, it's because of the click itself, because I found that the, the actual click was very comforting to me. Uh, I found out that that's really operant conditioning. It's, it's dog training. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, people that to uh, mark the specific moment of change. So it's it's essentially it's dog training too, uh, and it's mindfulness, uh, and it's what some people call a ritual. And a ritual in this case is an action that happens consistently over time that wedges apart the trigger and response or cue and cue and habit, right? Cues and habits happen very quickly. And if you're able to like distance them more and more, the habit starts to break down. So, um, when I quit again, my uh, my girlfriend, my partner uh, was was just like, "That was really easy. It seemed really easy for you compared to the first time, you know, years ago, where I was like cursing the skies and you know." Um, and so you know, I thought I was onto something, and so I tested it again and again. I did several. 90-day, uh, and I think in one case, like a 300-day challenge on uh, quitting various things. Um, and it works, you know, I, I think it really, really works. And it's helped some other people uh, that I've shared this with.
1: So That's actually amazing. And I think, so is, is this the right, like, is, could this be an interpretation where you talked about rituals and driving that wedge between your cue and your response? So the way I could also look at it was that your response, instead of now lighting a cigarette, is to click your counter. So you've basically replaced your cues and your cravings may be the same, but it's just that your response is now different and the reward is now different. Like you mentioned, having that satisfaction when you click the counter and, you know, that curiosity to explore more and that eventually resulted in changing the entire loop because now there was a different sort of feedback for your urges.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's... It, I have gone back and forth with that. Um, I think the one thing... One of the things that's different different is that your urges actually go down. Okay. Right? Like, they, they don't just stay the same. You aren't just replacing... Um, smoking with a click, but by doing this, you're actually removing the urge significantly. Um, and also in the end of it, right, if you're dog training, if you're training a, a dog, at the, at the end of the day, you remove the click as well. So, you know, you can, it's debatable. I, I would say it's debatable. I would say it's a different mechanism than simply replacing the smoking with the with the action of clicking and have that be a reward. I feel like the mechanism is slightly different, but
1: I mean, I you know, I
0: can see what you're saying.
1: Right. No, but it does make sense. Like, if, if the urges die over time, like you said, then kind of breaking that loop, and it, it does make sense. Like to that is a different mechanism. Yeah. So since you brought up rituals, I was I was wondering if you could just um, maybe differentiate a ritual from a habit so this is something that is a part of your last uh, family of elements in in the, in the elements of change which we'll come to but yeah, yeah. if you could just talk about the difference between a ritual and a habit
0: i guess the way the way i think the way i think of it and again there are many different definitions of ritual right um in in one specific uh study, what they had people do is uh, they instructed people to do things with food before eating it. So I think one example was you have a candy bar and you unwrap it in a certain way and break it into or whatever, and then you eat it. Um, What they found that 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 did is that as long as it was the same, right, it couldn't just be a random thing. It had to be consistent as long as it was the same Um, it changed the perception of the candy bar for people. Um, People reported appreciating it more. Uh, They said it tasted better. And they also said that it, um, uh, that they would be willing to pay more for it. Um, So there is an element of mindfulness to rituals. Um, And I think a ritual is, in many ways, it's the exact opposite of a habit in this case because habits as they become as the trigger urges and responses get closer and closer together they become more and more automatic and mindless um so yeah i think i think they might be almost opposites in some way
1: right even for the power of automaticity that habits yield i think that's super fascinating i mean i wasn't really aware about that like I knew about it, but I never really understood it before I went through your blog and I started realizing that habits do make these things effortless. Like that's the best part of, you know, maybe having that habit of waking up early or whatever it is that over time it gets easier and it becomes part of who you are. So
0: Yeah, and I think that a lot of people don't think about it like that. A lot of people think of habits as something that you just simply have done uh, for a long time. And that's not it. Um, I answered a question on Reddit. I answer a bunch of questions on Reddit and a, a guy was talking about how, uh, he runs every morning and mm-hmm. he says that across, I, I don't know how much time months or years or whatever, it had never gotten easier. Like he still had to drag himself out subjectively. I mean, drag himself out of bed, uh, and that that's just something you have to do and he was calling that a habit and i said that's not a habit i mean you've done something for a long time but if you've never made it automatic i mean that's the whole point of a habit is to not be not have to to give yourself a break from expending you know some sort of self-control or willpower um so i think that's a really important thing because a lot of the times yeah, like th- there's just certain, there- there's a lot of people who just seem to think that it's just something you do uh, constantly across time. Whereas the opposite is in fact true. You can do something for a long time and not never have it actually manifest as a
1: habit, which is really, again, unfortunate. Totally. So uh, since you mentioned your edit thread, I- I'd like to segue into uh, motivation on one end of the spectrum and habits on the other one so this is something I think we talked about last time where you know you, you were always trying to set habits and the maximum that they lasted was three weeks yeah and then eventually you realized that the reason was it was this motivation that was trying to fuel your new habit and and why that never worked out
0: yeah so um yeah as you said like I you know It just, it just, there were so many things that I attempted to do that just would never last. And it was only until I tried to think of ways besides motivation um, to help bolster uh, things along. So I think, you know, I think what you're mentioning is my idea of the the elements of change, which was, that's exactly where it was born out of, which was, I kept on finding all these alternative weird techniques and a friend of mine said okay can you just summarize all of it please like in some like easier to understand way and what kept on going into my mind was this idea of elements like a periodic table um, you have you have families of elements uh, in the real periodic table and then you have like a number right and from one end to the other uh, and to me I thought that it, it was always so interesting how motive for me had this like three week or less Um, half-life and then habits you know potentially could go on for your entire life so thinking about it in terms of half-lives sort of made this occur I don't think it's the absolute best I don't know like (laughs) if curiosity has more of a half-life than uh, motivation or you know I'm not interested so much as the perfect nitty-gritty thing, but just as a concept to be able to organize all these techniques and then mix and match them. That's, that's where that came from.
1: Right. So could you talk a little more, little more about these families and maybe some of the elements in each of them just to like give the listeners an idea as to what you're talking about?
0: Yeah. So, um, let me just, yeah, so yeah, I'm just pulling it up right now because it's too much. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I guess, uh, (laughs) I guess, uh, you know, one of the ones I have, I was just trying to see if there's any like uh, similarities between some of these. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of them, I think the first one I have is called uh, uh, strengthening. Uh, So the idea is that these are things that can sort of strengthen your starting pool of energy, self-control or willpower or whatever. So, yeah, of course, you've got motivation. Um, you've also got something like exemplar priming, which is when you read a really um, inspiring text. Um, what's weird is that when you read these inspiring texts, it somehow like it amps you up. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like how with a lot of people with motivation, if they're wanting to go to the gym, they'll listen to really you know, hardcore music and they'll be able to like pedal faster or whatever. Um, but then there's other things like momentum, um, which was always to me very interesting that some people said that if you have a starting pool of willpower, that's highest at the beginning of the day, you should do the hardest task first. And then other people said, no, no, you should do small, a series of small tasks first, uh, in order to like ramp up, uh, willpower. Uh, I think as an aside, I think both are true. I think sometimes, if you're really low on self-control or willpower, or energy, uh, it does help to like do a series of short tasks. But if you're feeling energetic, do the do the difficult task first. So, um, so yeah, that's that's that. I think like I have another family on observation, uh, like mindfulness metrics, um, creating systems. Uh, these are things that rely on observing whatever you're doing and somehow observing whatever you're doing makes things easier and better. It's almost like you're distancing your from yourself just slightly enough uh, to somehow get more control over it. Um, I have a family that's replenishing things, which is like, uh, how do you regenerate willpower? You know, things like laughter, anger, uh, you know, taking time off. Um, I have things like another family, which is diminishing things. So uh, that's really one of my favorite ones because for habits, you know, if you want to have a good habit, start ridiculously small. Right. Uh, you'll probably get more. You'll you'll probably get further. So if willpower is kind of like this energy stream of like a you know a shuttle or a space uh, space shuttle, um, one way is to increase the store of your. Uh, fuel source and another way is to just decrease the weight of the payload mm-hmm. this would be the weight of the payload diminishing things uh, I have rewards uh, and then like automation where I have things like ritual and habits so that's sort of just just a general kind of thing I've since added on I think 10 more elements okay. and probably more than that like I think there's there's several that I'm just I'm still in the, in the contemplation phase of how, how it all fits in. So, uh, and some I think will be quite interesting, like really, really interesting stuff that I feel like the self-help industry has not adequately
1: uh, talked about. Right, right. But I, but I totally love the entire idea of having this periodic table of elements where, you know, you can, you can kind of mix and match for yourself. Like that's what, I admire the most that you know you don't have to follow a specific formula. You can just kind of go ahead and try out what works for you, and you know put those blocks together.
0: Yeah, and that's really the big uh, thing I feel is really good. Is that uh, you know there's certain things on here that I they don't really work very well for me. I feel um, so like for example socializing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people you know they swear by it. You if you want to do anything get a group activity going and have people like you know bolster you or hold you to uh, certain things. I hate that. And I'm not you know maybe it's just one of those things that doesn't really work with me or maybe it's just something I'm not willing to do for certain uh, endeavors. But everyone's gonna be like that. Like to me, the self-help industry right now is based on these one things, right? At first, it was motivation, just do it, and then it was grit, and then, you know, there was all. I think now it's probably habits, right? Uh, that's, habits is out. James Clear's Atomic Habits is out. <laughs> you know, that's the big thing. And every year there's a new thing. Um, but to me, why, why would, why would a busy CEO use the same stuff that you know a student would need, or a stay-at-home mom, or you know a freelancer, like uh, they're gonna have different things and different uh that work best for them. So, as, as long as you have this arsenal of tools, then you can apply as many that work for you as possible. So,
1: right, so something that you mentioned about socializing, where you know people use the buddy system, where if, if they want to start cycling, they take a partner along. That's something that's never Work for me as well. Like I don't like the idea of being dependent on someone else because the day that they're not available, then I I probably lose all of that motivation to go and work out. So it's just way better for me, at least, uh, to do it on my own. But I do have friends who you know told me that it works for them. That when it becomes competitive, you're trying to race each other and you know end up performing better.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's a really interesting point that you just made is that some of these things have limits and some of these things work better in specific parts of the uh, self-improvement process. So for me, socializing is really, really good. I mean, just in general, um, uh, for when you've already established a habit and want to boost it. So, you know, it's just interesting. So many of these things have that kind of thing where the more you delve into them, you're like, maybe motivation is a good one, right? For me, motivation is probably not going to, I, I know it's not going to get me a habit, but on the other edge of the habit, once I have say like a cycling habit and you know, I've gotten to like 20 minutes of cycling and I can't mm-hmm. get any further. Uh, then maybe harnessing motivation in like a 30 day challenge, right? 30 day challenge, there's so many 30 day challenges in different programs online. They usually have social elements. They usually have gamified uh, things where you get achievements and all that. And it's a short amount of time. It's, it's something that you can use motivation uh, and harness that. And then when you return back to your regular habit, you've probably returned at higher levels of output. Um, so yeah, I, I just think, I just think that, um, it depends on where you use them too.
1: They all have limits. They all have. Yeah. It is fascinating that, you know, like how you mentioned this one block doesn't work for you in a specific scenario, but it does seem to work to, you in an other completely different scenario and it works better than all the others. That's super cool. So something, something that I wanted to bring up was, um, one of the elements in the replenish uh, family, which is kawaii. So could you could you talk about that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right.
0: So kawaii means like you know in Japanese it's cute, it's cuteness, and uh, you know you you see it a lot in like anime, and you know things like that, and like uh, cartoon characters. They have l- lots of stuff in Japan are very kawaii. Um, but they actually did a study on this, which is hilarious. And uh, they tried to find if looking at cute pictures, uh, especially I think cute pictures of animals, how that would impact uh, office workers' productivity. And they found it did like significant. There was a significant, like statistically significant uh, change in their productivity. Um, So I started using this. I have these work cycle, you know. I'll, you know, for work, I'll, I'll sit there and do pomodoros, and I'll, mm-hmm. do, you know, I, one of the things I'm trying to figure out is between pomodoros, what do you do? Like, how do you recharge? Um, because I'm not really good at taking breaks. Like, when I take a break, I have no idea what to do. I just usually, you know, surf online or you know, do whatever. Um, but it's not very regenerative. Um, so I started going to Reddit. Reddit has this, there's a subreddit called AW, A-W-W, AW, you know, and it's just cute pictures of animals. And I would go through it. And uh, I actually did feel better. I did feel like recharged. And it is interesting because underneath kawaii in, in my replenished family, there are other emotions, laughter, you know, like, watching a funny video a short funny video is going to make you feel it's like another vector of productivity like it's another vector of emotion uh and if you if you really uh, uh kind of get that emotional feeling out of you uh it's going to have an effect and it's kawaii is you know it's just kind of funny but you know if you think about it in terms of um let's say eastern meditation right uh, Compassion meditation In Buddhism—it's metta, loving kindness. You generate this feeling of well-wishing and compassion that can be quite powerful. And I'm a longtime practitioner of that. And when now, when I ask people, you know, if only if I'm trying to like teach people it, um, I tell them to look at cute pictures of animals first because it's the easiest thing to
1: generate that feeling. So. <laughs> It, it is funny, I mean, but but it's nice to know that it works for you. I'll definitely try it out sometime.
0: Yeah, let me know how it goes.
1: <laughs> sure. So uh, since you mentioned meditation, and this is something I think we talked about last time as well, uh, where you talked about not being able to meditate for more than 15 minutes, but when you switched the type of meditation, um, you know, midway, like after 15 minutes, you were able to do it. L45 and how the novelty effect plays into that. So if you could just speak about that.
0: Yeah, I think that um, that a lot of people think that when you establish a habit, that your life is going to be changed forever. Uh, Mm -hmm. You're going to develop the skills, everything's going to grow. And I did not find that was normally the case. Um, When I finally established a long-term meditation habit, I had problems expanding it. Um, I could, at some days I could do 45 minutes in an hour. Um, but it would very, it would not be automatic. Mm -hmm. Um, I eventually end up going down to whatever, 20, whatever, 20 minutes or so. Um, until I found out that if I just modulated things, um, so rotated the skills I was practicing just slightly, um, Not only did was it effortless to go to 45, uh, but I feel like I really improved in my skill. Like I feel like I got something out of it. So, um, in the case of meditation, I dropped down a little bit. I think I went to 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. uh, and I went to three different meditation styles back to back, Uh, and I was like, "Wow, this is this just subjectively feels so much easier than extending one practice." to 45 minutes. So I tried it. I tried it with um, like cardio. I think uh, at the time I was, uh, I was going to the gym back when I could go to gyms. And, you know, I was on the bicycle. I was, you know, doing my bike thing. And it was the same thing. I've done this so many times before, where at the 20, 30 minute mark, it's a matter. It's like pulling teeth. Um, But when I rotated focus slightly, and I did to other different types of machines. Again, Mm -hmm. 45 minutes was just effortless. So I think at some point, and I don't know if this is true for all uh, skills, but I think at some point, it's not a matter of like endurance of any kind. It's a matter of focus. You're actually just bored Um, and slightly varying things has, uh, you know, a great effect. And it's also really good for exce- in accelerated learning, uh, slight modulations on uh, the thing that you're practicing have been shown to develop your skill faster. So it's also good like that.
1: something I was talking about with one of my friends the other day where, you know, whenever we exercise, it, it's so hard to push through that last uh, maybe lap if you're jogging or whatever it is. And i think that maybe it could be a matter of focus like just changing whatever it is you're doing might you know in in the same domain of course like, but changing whatever you are doing might just like get get you that new boost of energy to follow through with your time period
0: yeah and uh i think the first time i actually tried something like that a, a long time ago was simply with reading um because the same kind of feeling happens when I read, which is at some point it's kind of like, uh, oh, I have to force myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I took uh, three or four books and I counted roughly uh, the amount of words that, that were on each page, just a rough calculation. Um, and I tested it. Uh, I tested by reading speed and how much I did if I just took like 10 minutes or five minutes. And just switched them constantly. And I found out I could not only read longer overall, but
1: I just read more efficiently. Wow. That's amazing. Like I, I've never been able to even get myself to try out switching books. Because for me, it's like if, if I'm on a book, I don't like to divert to another one midway. I did try it once, but it didn't work for me. Yeah I think that it
0: depends for me at least it depends on the book you know if, if it's a book that I'm really interested in and mm-hmm. I like reading it uh, like I love fantasy books I'm just a total nerd when it comes to fantasy books I have to have one uh, to read every you know all the time mm-hmm. then I you know I'm I'm invested in the story I'm stuck I don't want to change change course mm-hmm. but if it very dry if it's something that i need the information from um All right. this technique seemed to work really well for me because not only did i ever have to, i didn't ever have to like force myself to go on um but pulling back pulling away from the book actually made to, made me want to get back to it more so i don't know there was a lot of stuff that play in play but again what surprised me was that my reading rate went up like significantly and my efficiency went, went up. So um, maybe that, that is, is something that, that works for all skills. Maybe it doesn't, or maybe it just depends on the person. I, I
1: really don't know. Right. Right. But, but that's nice. Like, you know, I think that is something that we can apply to maybe other areas as well. Like not just books or meditation, like you mentioned for, um, accelerated learning so is is that something you're exploring these days um so uh
0: not yet i think that there are a few problems i mean my entire project is essentially geared towards accelerated learning eventually okay Um, the, the ultimate goal that i want is to be able to master multiple uh multiple things uh at once so polymathy essentially um, there's a lot of behavioral science, um, that allows you to learn in a much more efficient manner, um, which, you know, I wish I had known when I was in school, but, eh, oh, well, um, so to me, the test of the ultimate system is not only these kind of like habit formation patterns where things are kind of automatic, um, but that, you're applying it to specific skills and multiple skills stacked upon each other. So um, it's definitely something I'm geared towards. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a few questions. There's a few things that are kind of not quite right that I still need to like test. Um, One of the things that I think I wrote about quite recent on my recent uh, blog post uh, and Instagram post was about uh, falling in love with the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of people who say that and they have no idea how to do it. Uh, they just sort of tell you to do it. And, you know, you're supposed to just sort of make it happen. Um, I have a friend of mine who is just a serial lover of, uh, act of, of, of uh, skills. Like the things he learns... He just has high amounts of like skill in multiple things, but he really falls in love with the process and it's just happenstance. Um, I want to be able to duplicate that process for anything. Um, And I think once I can do that, then I think polymathy and applying this accelerated learning stuff might um, happen more efficiently, so.
1: It does, like polymathy does make sense but even the idea of, you know, not letting it take a lot of effort to master something. So last time we also talked about targeted mem- memory reactivation. Uh, so that is something I got a chance to check out. That was pretty fascinating. So uh, could you maybe summarize that and bring everybody up to speed with uh, targeted memory reactivation?
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you were, you were really fascinated about it. And I am too. And it's, it's kind of the idea that um, you know, memory has always been about sleep and smell. I think a lot of us know that when we go to sleep, we're reordering the thoughts of what happened during the day. And everyone has that kind of thing with smell. You have this really powerful smell. It's going to you know activate a specific memory. So what if you combine the two? And there was a study done on that where they took different people uh, had the smell when they were studying, had the smell at night and had the smell when they were taking the test. And they found that the people who had the smell when they were studying and at night that night, uh, they just had, I believe it was a 30% boost in scores, which is very significant. Um, especially since that's just one technique. And I think, you know, there's a lot of techniques out there. So, It's exciting. I don't know. It's really, really exciting. Um, I can't wait to really test it out. I've never tested it out. Um, I'm kind of like holding myself back until I really dive into uh, this sort of polymathy project. I I have Mm -hmm. a couple, I have a couple classes I'm interested in taking and, you know, it'd be interesting to start one and just apply all of it to this one class see how it works and then see if I can stack it. So we'll see how it
1: goes definitely that sounds good and, and thank you for explaining that by the way so no yeah and aside from that i think um you also are working with trying to form habits in a day right like trying to uh, yeah yeah so how, how yeah does that work? so i feel
0: so i feel yeah that's uh like to me there are certain holy grails to self-help right uh like the matrix learning a skill in an instant of course everyone wants that i don't Mm -hmm. think that's possible yet but a close second would be can you form a habit in a day um and and so i you know across my my experimentation i found that um the more techniques i used the and then the more the, the better i got at applying the techniques the shorter the habit, uh, process took. Um, and then I started thinking, well, can, like, can you, can you just, can you shorten it considerably? So I did this, uh, experiment where I just simply tried to, uh, do it based on repetition. Mm -hmm. Um, so the average habit, according to science takes 66 days to form. So I thought to myself, what if I just repeat something 66 times in one day would I be able to, uh, magically have a habit in a day? I I was not able to do it in one day. I was able to do it in five days, which is a, uh, and I haven't repeated it. So I'm, I'm curious to repeat it, but I learned quite a bit. Like I, I learned that, um, uh, repetition, like the automatic nature of the habit is dependent on the very end of the trigger and the very beginning of the response. So, you know, I basically, I I was trying to uh, do a a cycling habit, like an indoor cycling habit, and I was tying it to drinking uh, a bit of tea in in the afternoon. So I made a big thing of tea, I put like two drops into the glass that I usually use, and I'll take the glass, get on the bike, pedal, do one or two pedals, and then repeat the process again and again. Mm -hmm. Um, What was interesting is that my scores for a stronger and stronger habit actually kept rising uh like the next day it was really automatic and then i took two days off and after those two days off it was pretty much a full habit and it stayed that way i kept doing it i kept recording it and it turns out that the habit process is really much more complicated than we think um, I, th- I found that to be true across a lot of skills and habits is that time off actually helps your habit, um, which you usually don't think of, but it makes sense in terms of learning where um, having time off uh, can boost your, like sleeping more can actually make you a better uh, learner or uh, a better athlete. Um So Mike, obviously you don't want to uh, quit too many um, times while uh, doing a habit, but I'm very curious to experiment. What if you've tried to form a habit every other day? Uh, Would that work? And so far I think it does, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. I also think there might be, in my next test of trying to make a a form a habit in a day, I think there's also some sort of mechanism at play with the conscious and unconscious mind. Like if you were to okay. somehow remove uh, parts of your conscious mind, like by distracting yourself, uh, watching a really interesting movie or TV show, uh, or, or just getting drunk, uh, <laughs> you'd be able to form a habit faster. I think you might be able to. And you know a habit is also length of time so can you fool your mind into dilating time uh it turns out there there are things that dilate time subjectively like uh cold or horror like the feeling of awe uh so if i were to watch horror movies while like i have uh uh, cold packs strapped to my body (laughs) would i actually be able to speed up the habit formation process I don't know, but I am more than willing to
1: try it. <laughs> Please let us know how that goes. I mean, yeah,
0: we'll do it.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a daring challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, for for like, I I was just thinking that I could I could probably try out something like what Tim Ferriss does. Like, as you as he nears the end of a show, he just asks some general questions. So okay. <laughs> so my my first one is that. If, if you could, say, meet your 20-year-old self today, what mm. advice would you give him?
0: Uh, I would tell him how to form a habit. That's probably the first thing I would do. Okay. Is there anything else or, like, just that? Um, I think that's, like, again, that's just been something that I would probably tell him to form a habit, and I would teach him about meditation because... Twenty-year-old uh, me was very angry and depressed, uh, very, very bitter. Um, and I think that understanding that life often takes you in different directions that might give you more meaning uh, mm-hmm. is an important. It not isn't not. It's not only an important mindset; it's an, it's an important skill to learn, uh, and that is something that I very much needed at the time. Um, but also, I tell them to form a habit of doing it. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: It all comes back to habits for me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right, totally. So um my second question is like what what do you think is the best automation tool you've ever used? You know, maybe to track an experiment or anything, like an automation tool that software basically that made your life easier. Or not not necessarily software, it could be something else as well. Uh
0: for software, um, I'm really a big fan of Pomodoros. Mm-hmm. I, I know that's not automation, but I, just the idea of having that, uh, setup going on, the idea of being able to work in small amounts really, really helped me out because I was, again, as I said, like, you know, my parents that this, this whole kind of like uh, tiger mom kind of thing, it was like, I was very driven in a way that just didn't work for me. Right. Um, and so just taking things apart and being really making every, shrinking everything down,
1: uh, I think is a really, really good tool. Um, yeah. Great. Great. Uh, and finally, um, you know, if you had to recommend a book to get started with self experimentation, particularly, which, which one would it be? Um, wow. Self-experimentation.
0: That's really hard. Um, Oh yeah, probably. Uh, I probably, uh, give you Kenji, Kenji Lopez, J. Kenji Lopez's book, the food lab. Okay, uh, that's an excellent book and it's on food, unfortunately, but you know, it's, it's on that. Uh, I'd probably as a second kind of say like Timothy Ferris books are really good because he does a lot of self-experimentation. Um, nice. I, I specifically really like his third book, which is, uh, Uh, the four-hour chef Mm. because he kind of breaks down how he reverse engineers learning things and I think that's a I don't know that's really cool to me I think that's really cool um I don't know there's so many books on self-experimentation now but those are probably the top two people I'd
1: say right great so thank you for those recommendations I think those are something that even I haven't checked out yet so I'll definitely get to them and yeah. yeah absolutely yeah, so thank you so much for being here. I think a lot of what you shared today is going to be like very new to all of our listeners, including me. And like, I think it's going to be an amazing um, thing to like just go to your blog, scienceofselfhelp.org, and just check out your elements of change and try all of these things out for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, check out if you're if you're interested. Check out the
0: blog. I'm also active on uh, Instagram. And uh, Reddit, I, uh, Reddit is something I'm new, I'm newer to in, in using, but um, I really get a chance there to answer really specific directed questions. Um, And those are both with the same handle, science of self-help. Great.
1: Thank you so much. You too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to stay tuned for future episodes, feel free to subscribe. I'd love to hear your feedback so you can go on to anchor.fm slash whatworksforyou and send me a voice message. Until next time.